Podcast episode 300. Your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And this week's show is just me. I have a vague idea of what I want to talk about here, but like I do with these things, I have no idea where it's going to go. Literally, I don't know what the roadmap is. I just start talking and I have a stream of consciousness brain that allows me to sort of go in whatever direction it wants, touch on some points, digress where needed. And just, hey, fuck it. Let me talk to you. That is the philosophy of the solo episode. I don't edit these, and I don't listen to them again. So this is from me to you, and that's it. Literally. I'm not going to touch this thing. I'm not going to hear it again. So when people tell me that they've listened to these episodes, like I think my friend Jeff told me, he listened to the one where I talked about conspiracy theorists, and he said, what you said about conspiracy theorists really, like that's exactly how I feel too. And I go, what did I say? Like, I don't even remember what I said. And he goes, it's the arrogance that bothers you. It's the fucking arrogance of conspiracy theorists. And I go, oh, yeah. No, that does bother me. And it was almost like I was hearing it for the first time. Because I had said it, turned the mics off, uploaded this thing, and I go, well, all right, that's in the can. That's out there. Hopefully I didn't say anything stupid. And when it comes back to me, I go, oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, How about that? So it's almost like I'm hearing it again because, yeah, it's like a fugue state. It's stream of consciousness. It's circuitous. I go kind of all over the place. This time, what I want to talk about is the origin. And I've talked about the origin of this show before. And I I think it's useful to do that because, as I said, this is number 300. But technically, it's episode 351. Now... The only problem with that is, how do you define an episode, right? Because for a brief time, I was doing the first job series. And I'm sure you remember that. Some of you really enjoyed that. Some of you had your first jobs featured. And I had someone ask me recently, hey, why don't you do that anymore? And I told them, I said, A, that's another piece of audio I have to do, like that I have to produce. And in addition to this show, I'm producing three others on a regular basis, and I'm about to pick up a couple more. I don't need any more time with audio. Granted, that wasn't very hard to produce. That was pretty simple, but it was just another thing. And I'm like, nah, but that was secondary to the primary reason. The main reason I don't do that anymore is because all the stories started to sound a little samey. And I go, you know what? I've accomplished here what I wanted to accomplish. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to produce this additional audio. It's fine. Like, we're just going to let it be. That was something fun that I did in time. And I got what I kind of expected out of that. And I'm like, yeah, this is done. Like, let's let's just be done with it. But so how do you define an episode, right? Because I did like one week, I just posted nothing but first jobs. I did an episode from Denver Film Festival where I just posted all those guys' first jobs. And there were a ton of them. And it's like, okay, were those episodes? Were they not? I don't know. So anyway, we're at number 351 or so, but numbered, it's number 300. So good time to look back. We're at seven and a half years now of me doing this. And what's weird about doing a solo episode 
is it took me, I think, more than a year to finally do a solo episode because the weird thing about this show is I never wanted it to be about me. I always wanted to put all the focus on my guests. And since I've started this show and since I've done it and since I've run it successfully for as long as I have, people will come up to me and ask me for advice on podcasting. And some of them have taken it and run with it and just done incredible work in terms of not only podcasting, but expanding their creative empire. And the person that comes to mind is Kyle Krieger, who, man, like he's in sales and like really not glamorous sales either. But he has taken inspiration from so many places and basically invented himself a new job in the company that he works for, which is just so fucking cool. I can barely handle it. And the fact that he tells me regularly, like he's really great about this, which is phenomenal. But how much I've inspired him, I go, shit, man, like that's fucking amazing. I, the fact that someone is looking at this little thing that I do, this goofy project that I sort of conceptualized good God, however many years ago, it wasn't seven, it wasn't eight, it was even before that, because my big inspiration is Brad Haig, who continues to inspire me with his relentless creativity. The dude is always creating something. He's filming something, he's photographing something, he's writing something. He's, he's always working on something. And he was the one who told me, you should do a podcast, because you're blogging a lot, and it wouldn't take as long for you to just say this stuff into a mic and just put it out there and have episodes. Well, A, that was flattering. And B, he was dead fucking wrong about that <laughs> because I have invested so many hours and so much sweat equity into this show that I could have been blogging this whole time for much less effort and much less time investment. But that's really neither here nor there. We're already here. I can't put this fucking genie back in the toothpaste or however that goes. What the fuck? Can't put this genie back in the bottle. I can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. That was fun, though. I think I'm going to start saying it the new way. I can't put this genie back in the toothpaste. Yeah, that'll be good. People will uh, all know what I'm talking about as if I don't talk weird enough already. Anyway, I'm getting off track. But when I started this, I knew I wanted to interview people because I fucking loved interviewing people in college. That was like my favorite thing to do, getting to go interview bands. Like, you mean I get to sit down with these people that I like, that I respect, that I admire, that I enjoy, and I can ask them anything I want? Now, granted, I have an audience out here that I'm hoping gets some enjoyment out of it too. So I can't just be totally self indulgent and ask, you know, off the wall personal questions and stuff. But. Ultimately, I get to ask him whatever I want. That's badass. That's fucking bitching. Let me do more of that. Let me do a ton of that. Just hook that right up to my goddamn veins. And the other thing is, I'm endlessly fascinated by people. And I think I've talked about this on the show before, but my interviewing skills came out of necessity because I used to get terrible, terrible, crippling social anxiety when I would have to meet new people. And working in PR, I was always going to all this like, fucking terrible like networking stuff where people are stroking each other just constantly and I found it torturous and I used to just break down and go cry and sob in the bathroom having panic attacks it's also one of the reasons I smoked for so long was because that was a great ready-made escape to collect yourself for a few minutes and also that's doing chemical things to your brain my psychiatrist told me at one point the reason it's so hard to quit smoking is because it lights up parts of your brain that 
like that feel good and it shuts down other parts of your brain that are not so good. And it does that simultaneously. It's one of the only things on earth that does both at the same time. So when you quit smoking, you're not only not lighting up this part of your brain, you're also not quieting down this other part of your brain. And so it's like a double whammy, which is why quitting smoking is so fucking hard. But anyway, I realized if I asked people questions, they talked about themselves. I didn't have to talk and it was easy to just stand there and listen and follow along. And, you know, to whatever extent I was actually interested, sometimes I was feigning interest, but even if you're faking it at a certain point, you will grow to appreciate listening to people tell their stories because people are itching and dying to tell their fucking stories. They just want someone to be curious enough about them to fucking ask. That's what they want. Like people love that shit. And once you train yourself to listen like that, it reminds me of Pulp Fiction in that deleted scene where Mia Wallace is interviewing um, Vincent Vega. And she goes, do you listen or do you wait to talk? And he said, I think I wait to talk, but I'm trying harder to listen. If everyone were listening a little bit more, not just waiting to talk, we'd all be better off. But once you train yourself to do that, you grow to love it. Because people have fascinating, wonderful, beautiful things to share. And they will open themselves up to you quicker than you expect them to. So as soon as you cultivate that, man, interviewing comes natural. Now, granted, you, you learn a few tricks along the way. And you can get to that point where they're comfortable faster. And I'm not going to give up all my tricks here. But I knew I wanted this to be about other people. I didn't want it to be about me. And so... The other compliment I got, and I've told this story like a billion times on this show, but my best friend Jason said, I love standing next to you at parties because you always know the next interesting question to ask someone. And you're just very naturally curious. And I go, yeah, absolutely. So that's where this show came out of. And it wasn't until I, at some point, every show is going to run out of runway and you're going to get fucked on scheduling or you're going to not plan properly, you're going to be like, I don't have a show. Like, what What am I going to do? And I go, well, I suppose I could just talk. And I can't even remember what the first one was or what the subject was. But I sat down and did it, and people go, man, that was awesome. And I go, why? Like, I'm not bringing you someone new. I'm not shedding a light on an industry that I haven't talked about yet, blah, blah, blah. I had all these, like, excuses and reasons why someone might not like that. But people just kept telling me, they go, no, that was really interesting because you were candid. You were sort of off the cuff. You were a little bit unhinged. And I like that. It felt very intimate in a way that I wasn't necessarily expecting. And I go, oh, okay. Well, then there's something here. And I go, okay, well, what is that? And and why, like, why would that be of interest to people? And I realized it's also part of my interviewing style. And here's some insight about me that I've gotten from people I've interviewed. They say, you're very easy to talk to because you're giving a lot of yourself in each of your interviews. And I go, what do you mean? And they say, you'll tell a story that relates to something that I'm talking about or something that you want me to talk about, but it's like you offer it up first. So immediately my defenses are down because it's like, oh, okay, we're on the same playing field here. He's not going to be up in his fucking judge box or whatever, you know, like casting judgment on what I'm talking about. He's just out there being like, yep, this is me. It seems like based on your experience or whatever, that 
you might have a similar experience. What is that like? And I'm like, oh yeah, I can share this because we're already, we're right here. We're face to face. We're eye to eye. We're the same level. And that's phenomenal. And I go, wow, that's great. But I realize the byproduct of that is through no intent of my own, I've put a lot of myself out there in the interviews that I've done. So I become the connective tissue of this show. I know that sounds ridiculous that I realized this so late, but it's true. Like I am the through line here and this show is damn near impossible to market. That is the Achilles heel of this show. And one among many reasons, it's probably not bigger than maybe it ought to be doing it for this long with some of the guest lists that I've had. You'd think this show would be blowing up much more than it has. I mean, it does fine. It does great. And I'll talk about how I define success here in a second, but You almost have to trust me on an implicit level if you listen to this show regularly. It's like, hi, if you really like this episode with the the lead guitarist from Strung Out, this punk band that I love, you'll also love this one about a podcast that talks about foster care amongst uh, BIPOC communities. Right? So, I mean, those are two very different types of shows. You know, you're going to love this episode with a person who owns a hair salon, but you're also going to love this episode with this hedge fund guy. Right? It's, it's a weird thing to do. It's a hard thing to market unless you have trust in me as a host. And I think that's something that I've cultivated. It's something that I've evolved too. COVID was really interesting in that regard because... For so long, we defined ourselves by our work, and in many ways still do. I mean, we're Americans. The first question anyone asks you is, what do you do? So it's almost like, hey, how do you make money? Which is such a weird fucking question when you think about it in those terms. You just meet someone. It's like, hey, how you doing? I'm John. I'm so-and-so. That's nice. How do you make money? So <laughs> if you put it in those terms, that's fucking weird. Um, but we say, what do you do? So we're defined by our tasks, our actions, our job, our vocation. And so if we can break down some of those walls, like, okay, I ask you, what do you do on this show? But then I get into it. And what I care most about is, why do you find this job fulfilling? Because generally, I'm not talking to people who dislike what they do. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Just talking to people dissatisfied in their jobs. And it's like, why do you do this? I don't fucking know. I have a mortgage to pay and I hate it. That would not make for good radio. The people I talk to have found something that they love. They found a passion. They found the thing that gets them up in the morning. So when, when I ask them, what do you do? I'm almost asking them, what fulfills you? And let's talk about that. How did you get there? How did you get to the point in your life where the thing that you spend the most amount of time doing is something that fills you with a great deal of fulfillment. Dude, that's fucking awesome. And that gives me joy. And so when it comes to this show, 351 episodes later, there are times where I'm like, I can't fucking do another show. Like, I just, I cannot do another show. I'm sick to death of doing this show. And literally, I feel that sometimes. That changes the second I get done with an interview, because the interview is always the best part. 
where I connect with someone, we have a great chat, I learn something new. It's almost like I'm taking from their well a little bit. You know how like you have your well that sometimes you give it out to people and then sometimes your well is drawn down. When I interview someone and my well is drawn down, my well gets filled back up. That's what doing this show means to me. And it it makes all the other crap I have to do. Like the challenges with booking, scheduling is always a nightmare. Doing the edit is kind of a slog. And just a note about that, the early days of this show, if you go back and listen to one of those, like first, good God, I don't know, year. So like the first 45 or 50 episodes or so, the edit sucks. It's terrible. Like I went back and listened to episode one. That was a few years ago at this point, but the point still stands. I'm rambling on and on in the intro about Marzik, the this gourmet grocery store that's around here, which is awesome. And I'm going, what the fuck are you talking about, man? My my cuts are really blunt, and like my fades are terribly amateurish. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's just it's rough to listen to. So I've gotten to the point where technically, I got this show dialed in. I know exactly what I'm doing here. But it makes all that other crap worth it. The booking, the scheduling, the editing, the promoting, recording the intros and outros. That's like one of the last things I do before I promote it. And by that point, I'm like, my God, like I've listened to this show twice now because I've done the interview and then I've listened to the entire thing again. So I've already listened to it twice. Now I have to talk about it. Like now I know how bands feel when they get done making an album and then they have to go and play it and be interviewed about it and talk about it all the time. It's like, Jesus Christ, I've just spent a bunch of time with this thing and I'd want to talk about anything else. Can we do that? No, you have to talk about this now a lot. And so then same deal with promoting. So it's like, yeah, I have this interview. I have to get other people excited to listen to it. Meanwhile, I'm like done with it because I've spent so much time with each episode that I'm like, how has everyone else not even seen this yet? Oh, right. I'm John of all trades. I have to promote this fucking thing and get it out there. And so I don't know, man. All that stuff is worth it. When I get to talk to new people, I get to connect with them. I get to learn something new. And I get to put some fucking good out into the world. So getting back to COVID, I realized we were starting to define ourselves differently. And it became less about our work because the work world pivoted. People were suddenly at home and they realized they could be much more efficient than going into the office. People weren't having to commute as much. And I can tell you, I have had to take my kids all the fucking way across town for the last two weeks to like day camps. And you people who commute, I don't know how you do it. I am ready to murder people having to just drive on the highway this much and like be in traffic and deal with stoplights and like all this crap. I haven't had a real commute during like commuting hours in shit. Seven years. Oh my God. Yes. Wait a minute. Six years, seven years. I don't know. It's a long time. And so I'm not in those rhythms. And I'm like, dude, this feels like such a waste. And when COVID hit, I think everyone else kind of realized that too. It's like, this is bullshit. Why, why are we doing this to ourselves? And so I pivoted the show. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to talk to people that are, are also bringing joy into the world. I'm going to talk about my favorite things. I'm going to talk about craft beer. I'm going to talk about pro wrestling, punk rock. Uh, I talked to Ryan Spielborgs during that time. I got Drew McGarry on the show again. COVID was 
unbelievable because everyone was available too. No one had shit else going on. Yeah, I'll go on this podcast. I'll talk to talk to John. Whatever, it's great. And so that's what this show is about now. I mean, sure. I love getting into the nitty gritty of what people do, how they do it and how they got there. That's sort of my elevator pitch with this show. But mostly I want to find people experiencing joy in their careers. And I want to put that out into the world because God damn it, we all deserve that. And if you're thinking about making the leap, if you're thinking about creating something, you need to do it because you don't know where to lead. If it's a side hustle, fine. But put some real effort into it and fuck it, man. Take a shot. Like literally just take a fucking shot. You never, ever know. And I'll give you a perfect for instance with this. When I started this show, I looked forward to doing it. And I was doing it around the margins too. I had my corporate job, which by the way, everyone loved that episode. Uh, I didn't listen. Well, did I listen to that one back? I think parts of it. Um, but I wasn't sure if I was ever going to do that one. When the company I worked for got sold, I go, oh, fuck it. I have nothing else to lose. That company doesn't even really exist anymore. So, fine. Here it is. But I was so excited by what I was doing with this show. And it was taking up time, man. Like, it was around the margins where I was doing this late at night. And I was interviewing people at night and on the weekends and when we'd go on vacation. And, I mean, Kristen, God bless her, was a real good sport about all this. Um, after grace was born, I did take a hiatus though, because like the time was just too much. And it wasn't until I, I got on my own that I actually had some space, but I remember thinking, I'm like, if I could just do this for a living, that would be like a dream come true. Like if I could just do podcasting for a living, like I don't have to do any of this other professional crap. If I were just a professional podcaster, what would that be like? And that's what I was sort of reaching for at the time. And here's the fucked up part. It did happen. Like literally, that is part of what I do for a living. I am a professional podcaster, which one is a title that didn't even exist like a decade ago. Like barely, it, it barely existed a decade ago. But now it's something that a lot of people do. Two, makes you sound like kind of a douche when you say it. Because you're like, oh, I'm a, pro I'm a professional podcaster. You sound like some fucking fart-sniffing typewriter fetishist. Where you're like, oh, okay, let me, um, let me read McSweeney's. And let me uh, weigh in on opinions on uh, you know, foreign aid policy in Central Africa. No, shut the fuck up. No one cares. Okay? You're a professional podcaster. Okay? Get back in your fucking basement and turn on your goddamn mic. For you know, the nine people who listen to you. But no, it's true. Like I get to do this for a living. I produce content for organizations that I respect, that I admire, that I love working with. And seriously, I work with the best people. They're putting on terrific shows, interesting shows with great people about issues of importance. And man, what the fuck else can you ask for? Like out of a career, if you get to do something you love where at one point you thought to yourself... I really wish I could do this for a living. And then you do it? Holy shit, man. My dream came true. That doesn't happen to everyone. And it should. And I hope that it does to whatever extent you want it to and are willing to take a shot at it. But until you take a shot at it, you'll never know. It happened for me. And it didn't happen overnight. I mean, it took years. And I'm still like kind of 
hustling all the time on this because podcasting pays like what I do pays pretty well. Doesn't pay everything. So I'm not doing just podcasting, but I'm doing like traditional PR too, which is fine. I like that part too. That was also illuminating. When I started doing only podcasting, I go, okay, I kind of miss this other stuff I used to do too. So until you try, you'll never know. I realized, oh, I kind of like this other part. That's nice to know. I thought I didn't like it. I thought I didn't really enjoy it that much. For the most part, I do. There are parts of it I fucking loathe. I'm not going to lie about that. But there are other parts of it where I go, no, this is really good. And had I just done podcasting, I think I would have resented that too. So when I define success, it's doing a show that is of high enough quality to where other people go, I like this show. I like what you do. I like the way that you put things together and the way that you've constructed this whole sort of, I don't want to call it universe because that makes me sound impossibly pretentious, but the way that your milieu sort of looks, can you help us create something like that? And I go, fuck yeah, I can. I would be thrilled to. This is like my favorite thing to do on earth. So the fact that I get to do that, man, this show that I sometimes resent and that I sometimes want to quit and that I didn't think anyone would give a shit about me talking alone. I mean, I knew the show was going to do well because I had interesting people in my circle and I reached out to all of them first and I said, Hey, would you come on my show? And I had enough trust with them to where they said, yes, I knew the show would be good because I was having good people on and I knew I could facilitate a good conversation. I could interview the shit out of anyone. But the fact that people like my solo stuff too is just overwhelming. And I don't always know what to do with it except to express gratitude and to say thank you. The fact that whoever you are out there listening to this right now, it is because of you and because of a few hundred or Sometimes when it comes to certain shows, a few thousand of you out there listening to this, that I get to do what I do and you helped a dream come true. And my God, man, like what else can you ask for from life? And when I think about success, you know, I do well in my business. Like I do well enough to live comfortably. Am I as comfortable as I might like? No, I'm not. Of course not. Um, very few people are, I mean, who, who has worry free from money, right? There, there aren't that many folks who get to say that, but there are people out there who we get to say that we live comfortably enough doing the things that we love. And that's a direct result of you taking time out of your day, listening to me, listening to the folks that I have brought on this show and I cannot thank you enough because my God, man, I think back to how unhappy I was in corporate and just how miserable I was, especially there at the end, because it was just such a bad fit for me in so many ways. And I think I could still be there, but I'm not. And your reason why. So, if I owe you anything, it's to give you the highest quality product that I can produce every single time I do it, which is why I turn these mics on, which is why I speak with great candor and which is why I never listen to these things after they go live because I don't want to start thinking about it too hard. And the other thing I'll tell you, 
that would be really, really helpful is keep feeding me guests. Give me some feedback, no matter what that looks like. If you engage with me on social media, via email, via real life, via text, whatever, it all goes into the machine. And it works, again, because of you. So I alluded to this, and this this is going to be the last point I want to make because, holy shit, I've already been... I've been talking for 27 minutes. Uh, that has really, really flown by. This has been a summer of nostalgia. And I haven't had a lot of opportunities for that because any any one of you who is listening who has kids knows that you cannot spend a lot of time looking back because there's always something new to do. There is always a new task, new mountain to climb, classes to get registered for, new extracurricular activities. We got to get them signed up for swimming and we got to get them signed up for gymnastics and we got to fucking go do this thing. And like, then we got to go do whatever, right? There's just so much to fucking do that you don't have a lot of time to sit and reflect. Well, the nostalgia has been just in my face all summer. And I mean, part of it was I planned our high school reunion and getting to see everyone come together after 21 years. I mean, didn't happen last year because, well, you remember last year, but seeing everyone together and sharing great memories from times past, creating new ones and looking forward to the future. I mean, it was just beautiful. And I thought about this too. The 20 year reunion is particularly notable because your high school graduation represents roughly the exact midpoint of your life, right? You graduate when you're about 18. So 20 years later, that moment is right about perfectly in the middle. And that's weird because at that point, you have evolved as a person going from high school graduate to in some of our cases, 40 year olds, but you know, 38, 39 years old. I watched the movie city slickers recently and Billy crystal is 39 in that movie. His character is 39 and I watched it. I go, Oh yeah, these are adults. Like they have adult problems. I watch it now and I go, Oh shit. These are adults with adult problems. I'm a fucking adult too. And I know people with these same problems going through real shit. Oh my God, this movie hits hard and it fucking slaps. That's crazy. You think back to how important and how vital and how life or death everything felt when you were in high school. And you compare it to now what you go through when you're like almost 40 years old. And you go, Jesus Christ, what was I so worried about back then? But you go, oh, right. I had no tools. Like I had some and, you know, good head on my shoulders. I just graduated high school and I, I have this sort of indomitable spirit. But you really don't know fuck all about anything. And now I think almost all of us have been through enough <laughs> to where we know plenty about plenty. Now, it's not everything because, I mean, you, you talk to even older folks and, man, they've really seen some shit. But at 39 years old, you've seen some shit, particularly compared to when you were 18 years old. And that to me is, that's, that's just, that's interesting. And so getting to reflect on that, I think had a lot of value.
and seeing where we are all now. Um, additionally, my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, so that was a great time to talk about some memories. They took my family up to Vail. We had a great weekend together. and We went to... Vail looks a lot different now, by the way, because I went to Vail regularly. My dad had like a work conference up there when I was a kid. And I remember going up there every summer from the time I was four years old until I, I mean, through high school. And there was one restaurant up there called Bart and Yeti's it's in lion's head. And it's just this little pub. And I loved it because they had good grilled cheese, which I loved as a kid. I still love now, but you know, I'm probably not ordering a grilled cheese at a restaurant at 39 years old. That'd be hilarious if a bit juvenile, but Bart and Yeti were a couple of dogs. So they had drawings of these dogs on the menu and like stories about them. And so when you're a little kid, there's good grilled cheese. You can get like a Pepsi or whatever. And there's like dogs. Shit. That's going to be your favorite place. And the fact that it's still there in lion's head as like this bastion of what lion's head used to be compared to what it is now, dude, that made me feel really good. And I'm going to get into this more in the blog post on Friday because I've been mashing that nostalgia joy buzzer here pretty hard this summer. But those two things, combined with some old friends I've gotten to reconnect with, combined with some of the activities that we've been doing, man, it just feels good. And so episode 300, we take a pause, we reflect on where we've been, and I mean, 351 episodes over seven and a half, roughly, years I don't know how long I thought this show would go when I started. I honestly had no idea where it would go. And although I've tried to quit it a few times, I don't see that happening now. That's just, that's almost kind of unfathomable to think about because this show has led me to other opportunities that have been so amazing. And I get to continue to connect with people that I respect and admire. I sent pitches out today for new people. We'll see what they say. Give people the chance to say yes. I hope they do. I don't know if they will, but got to give it a shot, right? So to wrap up, and I know I need to wrap up because I've started to meander a little bit too much, and I'm running out of gas here in my uh, in my throat. It's starting to get a little dry, but try talking for 34 minutes straight. That'll happen to you too. <laughs> to sum up, I'll say thank you. Thank you for helping my dream come true. And my dream is to live a life kind of where I feel like I have agency to change the things I want to change, to where I pursue the things I want to pursue, that I have some level of autonomy that I didn't have before I did this. And again, that's because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Who knows? Maybe we'll make it another 300, and there will be solo episodes between now and then, but I promise I'll do one then too. So... In the spirit of that, let's wrap up. John of All Trades Podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. I can help you build your own podcast. I can help you get a show going. If you have something in your head, I will help you get it out. If you want me to produce it, I'll produce it. All you got to do is hit me up, John, J-O-N, at Deftcom dot U-S, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Sponsored, God love them. Four degrees to number four, D E G R E dot E S. Zach is a fellow entrepreneur, he made the leap on the same day, and he is still at it. He's winning awards. 
He's doing amazing work. I'm so proud of him, and I'm thrilled that he continues to be my sponsor. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. On social media, it's J-O-A-T pod. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. I only use like two of those now, but if you want to keep up with me on any of those platforms, that's the way to do it. Facebook is the only place for exclusive episode previews. Those go up on Mondays. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. I'm losing the ability to talk. The website is johnofalltrades.us. I'll be back here next week with a brand new guest to kick off. Brand new set of episodes. Thank you for being a part of it. I adore you all. Please be safe. Please take care of each other. Until I hear you again, say goodnight, crazy. That's good, Johnny.